Welcome back to Slatshot Podcast, a hockey pad podcast. We're out of the Christmas break. We're heading towards the New York break, or New Year's Eve and New Year's Day with the Winter Classic coming around. But the NHL was back into full swing action with 13 games on Wednesday night, the 27th. I've got Rusty back in uh, back in uh, the swing of things with me. Alex vacationing as always and sitting in the sunny beaches of of where he may be. But Rusty, good Christmas, good holiday. How about the arm dog, huh? Hardest working man in show business. You, you got that right. Jesus. <laughs> Freaking guys, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, we're uh good time with family though. Yeah, merry, merry, jolly, jolly. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh that was fun. Were you able to skate at all over the holiday? I gotta skate in. I gotta skate in at uh the beautiful uh Roach Community Ice Arena in Western Oxbury, Massachusetts. Love it, love it. Yep, no, I love it. Was able to hit a uh, nice little ODR in in Wilson, Wyoming. I might might create a new thing for the Slotshot Pyatt page. Submit your your cleanest and uh, coolest ODRs, and, and maybe we'll rank them. But uh, no, good to be back. Good to be watching hockey. We got World Juniors in swing. We got a good uh, not our longest episode in the world tonight, but we'll start with a little World Juniors check in, a little Mishy, a little two and one two and one night action from uh, maybe a little Trevor Zegers and a Connor Bedard, but. Uh, the always loose change returns and a Saturday picks with, with Alex missing, we will have the graphic uh, updated with arm dogs pick, but the boys hit the parlor last week. So we're, we're, we're trying to get a little bit of a, of a streak going, but uh, some good action definitely last Saturday as we uh, head towards the new year, but breaking it down, getting straight into it, the world junior check-in Ross, it's been, uh, it's been, you know, yes, we're only two games realistically into the tournament. I think Canada 2-0 after a, a nice little 5-2 defeat of Finland for their opener. And then last night beating <laughs> Lafayette 10-0. The Canadians are rolling. Uh, I know uh, Geeky looks good. Celebrini had five, uh, four points last night with a goal. Unbelievable stuff from the 17-year-old. But uh, now Canada's rolling. There's no question about that. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. The U.S. after a nice little 4-1 uh, Four one game versus Norway. They uh, they pick back up today versus Switzerland. But uh, now the real story, the real story of the of the tournament so far is is actually Team Germany. Team Germany came in and having never really beat Finland in in uh, World Junior play defeats defeat the Finns four to three. Um, and the the excitement, the videos. I mean, even the guys. I think Germany was killing a penalty at the end of the game and. Uh, you could just see the emotion in the penalty boxes as the clock is, is ticking. He high fives the guy coming out of the box and just they absolutely love it and, and celebrate like it's uh, almost a, a metal uh, metal round game. But now the fact is uh, Germany ended up going one and zero on the tournament to uh, beating the Finns as they they've had a rough start to the World Juniors going zero and two and tough bracket with uh, with Canada being there as well. But um, what have you seen so far in uh, the limited World Junior play that you've seen? So a little bit of uh, Finland, Canada. Um, I thought that it, it was a pretty competitive game. Um, you know, the, there were a couple of goals late, but it was basically a three to one game. And then the empty netter and then the pushback, right? So it was three to one. Canada scored an empty netter. Finland made it four two. And then Canada scored another empty netter. And the empty netters count, right? Because the tie break there is goal differential. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it, it's. It just is what it is, right? They're going to score with the empty net as often as they can. But um, I don't know. I mean, the Finns are always tough. Um, being down 0-2, that's a, that, that's a brutal hole to get out of. They pretty much need to win out. Who else is in that division, Jack? Tough enough. It's Canada, Sweden, Germany, Finland, and Latvia. So it's it's kind of a power group of the top top four in reality. So, so Finland so, dug themselves a hole. 
So that means Finland, Sweden is going to be a must win for Finland, which means that should be appointment viewing. Um, When is that game? Is that later today or is that tomorrow? I believe, let's see, that one is Canada, Sweden tomorrow, Sweden, Finland on the 31st. Okay. Canada, Sweden should be good. Um, I watched some of the Sweden game yesterday. They were playing Latvia, which is, again, again, like shout out Latvia, right? Like 1.4 million citizens, and they're out there competing with the biggest hockey powerhouses in the world. Um, Just to be on the same ice, right? That's a big testament to Latvia, but it's it's not the same thing. Um, And so, you know, Sweden was kind of going a little globetrotters on them, but um, some impressive just – Using the Olympic ice, um, using the sheet, puck possession. Yeah, it was it was it was impressive to watch the Swedes against Latvia. But like I said, hard to really pull anything from that. Yep. Um, you know, honestly, my my biggest takeaway is from the first the first thirty minutes of the USA Norway game. A little bit of a, of a concerning that first period. I mean, oof, Norway hung with them for for a good good twenty minutes. So apparently USA had to play Canada and got to play Canada and what Finland in the pre-tournament like uh, exhibition. And it was, uh, it was funny enough. I, I watched that one Canada U S dominated the first half. This was a pre uh, pre-tournament tune up match uh, versus the two nations and U uh, S came out and we're, we're fighting strong. I think they went up by uh, I think four, two or four, one to going into the third before Canada kind of clawed back. But uh, what was the final? <sighs> It was a 6-5 final, I believe, in favor of the U.S. after a nice overtime winner from uh, another, I think it was. Um, I assume well, they were playing hard in the pre-tournament. Yeah. Oh, the, the brink was empty, but it was it was a tournament atmosphere. So they, not let, they don't let fans in? They did. I mean, Canada has 2,500 fans in, in Sweden. So they're, yeah. they're apparently, they're going right. nuts in, uh, in, so the, in Gothenburg. So, Jack, the reason I ask is. I, I mean, the Team USA. It was one of the, one of the softest thirty minutes of hockey I've ever seen in my life. And they're all out there. The USA, literally, just prancing around in their oversized jerseys. They looked. It looked both visually and aesthetically like they were wearing dresses. I mean. <laughs> It was some of the most embarrassing hockey I've watched for a USA team that just was oodles and oodles of talent going against a Norway team that was just just playing tough, smart, hard hockey. Yep. Uh, easily could have been two to one Norway after one. Mm-hmm. Um, only made a couple big big saves on odd man rushes, stopped a breakaway, and every time the US had possession in the ozone, like really not in the ozone, everywhere on the ice. Every single play they tried to make was like the cutest one touch, like cutesy pootsy. Um, and it was just like it was really frustrating to watch. I it made me upset watching it. And oh, then very quickly this kid started to make a difference. Um, that little number nine, is it? Uh Ryan Leonard, or are you talking about the guy uh, you're talking about? Brindley? Yeah, and Brindley. 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 Um, He he just – there was one – his first goal, 
his first goal was a really beautiful one-timer play where the puck came to Perot in front. And he's sitting right in front of the net with a bouncing puck instead of mashing it towards the net, which Mm -hmm. pretty much everyone would do in every level of hockey. But not the cutesy-pootsy USA team. He does a no-look pass to the corner that gets beautifully one-timed in. And you see a play like that, and you're like, okay, maybe maybe that's why they play so cutesy-pootsy. But then, but then Brindley scored his second goal that really kind of turned things around. Yep. He's just got the puck in the corner, and it's not a dangerous play. And he just turns on the Jets and in about three strides splits the Norway D, which he probably couldn't do against an NHL or even a Canada mm-hmm. opponent. But in three strides, he just goes from perimeter, not a threat, to right in the middle of the slot and just rips one bar down. Yeah, uh, That essentially kind of put the game to bed. Norway started taking a lot of penalties because they couldn't keep up. But the the beginning of that USA game was it was it was honestly hard to watch. No, it, it's it kind of felt like all right. Well, we're here. It feels like the tournament's just going to be given to us. And and you know, I think after coming into everything, you know, the US have been talked about as all right. Well, this might really be a, a dominant year for the US. And and I think as talking about the US, and then you look at Canada, who's who's kind of been a grittier and, and less skilled team. But yes, they've they've been able to kind of surround themselves with great grade a talent but uh you know canada's gone out and shot outshot i think they're scoring 15 to 2 in terms of goal differential right now so they're a pissed off pissed off team and i think they're saying you know this u.s team came in with a lot of hype you know i think uh sweden and finland look a little bit more beatable this year i think u.s actually beat sweden uh, instead of finland in a pre-tune-up uh, matchup as well but uh, no i you know i think the u.s are kind of that, that first 30 minutes like you said it really felt like they were just there to show up and, and really get handed handed the result, which was a little bit of a, of a concerning sign for sure. Um, I think the fact that they beat Canada and, and had a good, strong first 30 minutes in, in that pre-tune-up shows that this team, in, in when they're firing on all cylinders, will be an elite World Juniors team in this this tournament. But uh, if you are, are eager to sleep and and, and kind of walk through uh, any of these games, things can turn on on a, on a dime. And, and I think, you know, watching U.S. last year, who I think they – maybe made the gold or the bronze medal game last year with a pretty talented roster. I mean, Cooley, uh, Snuggerard was on it. Um, Snuggerard, thank you. Um, and, and all these guys that you're seeing uh, that are pretty young still on this team last year, or this year, were there last year. So it's, it's kind of some of these second year guys trying to, to lead the lead by example and, and hopefully take this team to uh, that next little stage of, of elite world hockey. And, you know, I think looking at the Canada game, Lane Hudson, this dude's going to be a freaking stud. Um, you know, I know you look at some of the world junior performances and, and maybe it doesn't necessarily translate to the, uh, the NHL game, but I think Montreal fans will be pretty excited uh, to see it. I don't know if you saw the overtime goal versus Canada, but uh, kind of a two-on-one defenseman committed to the guy on the uh, the offside and and Hudson just drove to the net, came in, roofed to top shelf, and, and U.S. were able to take that one in overtime. But uh, no, I mean, looking at it, you, Will Smith, no points so far. On Hudson. Um, so I've, I've had a chance to watch a little bit of Hudson from BU. This is his second year at BU, I think. And he's a real standout college hockey player. And in the tournament, I think he's been – he's fun to watch. Yeah. But 
as I'm watching him, I'm kind of texting on my group thread, and that's what I've got up here about he, he when I saw him playing in this Norway game, which nobody was really playing very well. So just correct. Yep. He has some patience that looks a little Adam Fox like, mm-hmm. and he has some pivot and stick handling and footwork that's a little Quinn Hughes like. Yep. But he seems to not be able to do either at the right level. Yes, and yeah. I'm very skeptical of him in the NHL. And ironically enough, my buddy, uh, who was maybe going to be a guest host, but instead we've got we've got Woody guest hosting today. <laughs> As always, you got to get Woody in there. Buddy of mine dug up a text he had from a Ranger scout who said the exact same thing. Um, so not to you know, not to say I'm a scout for the Rangers, but I'm a scout for the Rangers. <laughs> Ranger scout says I like watching Hudson, but want no part of him at the NHL level. Uh, turnover machine, can't defend, can't win a Stanley Cup with him on the roster. That's what NHL scouts are saying. That's I see it. I see it. Um, and so. It's I, I, again. It's just it's we're we're an NHL pod mostly, and mm-hmm. I just have that out there because with Hudson, he he was he was a Hobie Baker candidate last year. Yep. So um, with Hudson, I'll put it this way: I'm not worried about him being on the Habs, uh, mm-hmm. but he's a great player at this level. Yeah, no, I, I and and that's where you know. I guess you're watching the best under twenty players in the world, and and being in the college game, there's there's a lot that needs to translate definitely to the uh, the NHL level. So it'll be interesting to see where you know once we get past the uh, the NCAA season, if if Montreal does end up calling them up at the end of the year, I would I would say it's probably more likely than not. But uh, no, absolutely spot on. And, and interesting comments from both you and and a Rangers uh, scout seeing it, and definitely some concerning signs there as well. But uh, Hopeful that you know, as a 19-year-old, you can still can develop and, and find that that complete game. But Rusty's a little concerned. I get it. I, I understand. I can see it. There it is. Shall we? Yep. Shall we progress to the national? You got anything else on the on the kids? Um, not too much. Not too much. Like I said, it was it was exciting to see Germany with that upset over Finland. Uh, you know, we're only we're only really three games into this tournament, so the tournament is young and a lot of hockey to keep watching. Uh, as I said, U.S. take on uh, Switzerland this morning, uh, 8 a.m. in Pacific, as I'm in the in the West Coast, and I think 10:30 or 11, actually, sorry, 11 Eastern. But definitely some fun World Junior action to keep keep watching. I know, uh, I know, Alex has his tons of prospects. I've got eight or six Blackhawks prospects to watch, so it's it's been fun. I, the only thing I'll say is Adam Gajan or Gajan. Uh, of Slovakia, next hopeful future great in, in the Blackhawks uh, netminder has, has been phenomenal and, and stole the show for Slovakia as they're 2-0 and and they're rolling. That's the only thing I want to say is Slovakia looks really freaking good and, and kind of a little bit of a sleeper in that U.S. group. I think, you know, looking in terms of, of the groups, uh, I want to see what the... So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Czech, U.S., Slovakia, Switzerland, Norway. You know, there's, there's no... De- debating it you know group b is is a little bit of an easier path for for the u.s but canada seems pissed off and, and charging strong towards uh towards their continuing tournament so it, it's fun hockey to watch and, and excited to uh to get to it as uh as the the metal round games will be approaching here soon 
Uh, but yeah, no, that, that kind of closes the book on the World Juniors check-in, and uh, we'll have uh, a little bit of a, a review next week, and, and we'll see. I don't know if gold medal game will be have happened by the time we record next, but we'll see. We'll see. World Juniors action, always a fun little um, holiday tournament. I think I looked it up. I, I looked it up. I don't think I don't think the final will happen until January nine. Okay, so yeah, we should be able to get in here at least one more breakdown of, of the World nope. Juniors. Uh, I think the championship is going to be the on fifth? the fourth. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, we'll see. We'll have some. We'll have some recaps definitely of the tournament um, and check back in. I know uh, tons of more teams. We didn't cover a lot of Sweden, and we'll let uh, let Army, our, our little Swede of the pod, uh, get into there once he's back. But. Definitely some interesting stuff happening in Gothenburg, Sweden, uh, and some interesting some interesting uh, arenas as well. I think after the Germany, Norher, Finland game, the the two locker rooms are within about ten feet distance. So there's they cut from Germany's locker room, which is partying and celebrating, and then you just see the the door of, of Finland, and it's just quiet. And it's like a youth. It's it's like yeah, yeah. It's straight out of a youth like party. Mid-Sattridge. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, you know, it, 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 it's some fun, fun happenings up in, in Gothenburg, Sweden, as, as the world juniors continues on. I think one, uh, of, the barns, one of the barns is called the Frölundaborg. <laughs> I think you're right. It's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it, it is, uh, it, it's, it's quite, quite the show. And, you know, I think looking back on it before we close our, close the book on it is, uh, you know, I think you look at it and Canada's had it a few times and they were talking about kind of doing it in the, the more, uh, devoted fan bases of of the, the the smaller barns. You know, you don't need to put this in an NHL rink and have the barn be you know half half full when you can go into a nice little junior rink or a, of a five thousand seater and, and have a full barn and a full atmosphere and and, and fun real hockey, which um, it's seemingly Gothenburg is delivering. I mean, at least the Canadians, the Canadian fan base is there and they're showing and they're out there and and uh, kind of wild that 2,500 plus flew to Sweden to, uh, to watch their world juniors team take, uh, try and take gold again, but moving on, moving on, moving on. We had a, uh, quite an interesting week, quite an interesting day. I should say with, uh, with the young stars. And unfortunately your boy, Trevor Zegras, um, ended up, uh, with a nice little backhand full motion swings around the net and is able to lacrosse style goal. And, and we also had uh, a little counter Bedard as well. Um, Ross, I mean, it, it's, you know, these guys are, they have no, no fright in the world about pulling this stuff and, and the creativity. I know we've talked about it before on the podcast and, and how, how the game has changed in terms of where these guys are thinking and how these guys pull these things off. And, you know, it, it's just, it, I think Bedard's goal, he was kind of standstill behind the net and was able to pick it up with their kind of, you know, pick it up, scoop it, come back around, put it into the top net. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like and, that. And, and funny enough, it was against Jordan Bennington, who the next day posts post a video of a kid kid trying and like might hockey, and the goalie just sticks him right in the chest, and he goes falling. So Binner had a nice little uh, Instagram tweet about it, but uh, no, it, it's looking at Bedard's goal where he stands still behind the net, and then Zegris, who's full stride, picks the puck up on his backhand and just kind of swings it around and, and puts it top shelf. Was it was you know yes, Zegris has been off to a slow start. He was hurt, and I know he's not your favorite guy in the world, but definitely showing the mitts and, and the talent that the, that Zegers has. And, and then Bedard as an 18 year old and, and, you know, with Gretzky, 
Gretzky was in the building for this one in, in St. Louis and, and they actually interviewed Gretzky and he's like, yeah, I mean, my daughter asked me if I could ever do that. And he's, he's just like, no, no, that was not my, not my uh, repertoire. And, um, and that these kids are just different is, is basically what, what the great one had to say, but no, it's, it's been, been a theme and, and the fact that it happened twice in one night, I, you know, this, this is what the game unfortunately wants. And, you know, not that it's a bad thing, but it's, it's definitely a more skilled, um, flashy style of hockey. So I'm, I'm curious about what your thought is behind it. And, you know, if, if you could expect goalies to really start trying to, um, counter it because it's, it's a reality now. I mean, there's only one answer to this topic, which is Jacob Lauco is a trendsetter in the NHL. <laughs> that's it. That That's my only takeaway. He's just one point behind Trevor Zegris, uh, on the season. So um, I'm very bullish on Lauco um, mm-hmm. you know, continuing this trend of just doing fancy stuff with the puck that the rest of the league follows. Guys like Bedard and Zegris, you know, are practicing. They're putting on their 94 jerseys in the backyard. Um, and it's it's exciting to see it. And Lauco was your uh, your little termite pick last week, right? <laughs> no, I love it. And, uh, you know, as you said, he did, he was a little bit of a trendsetter and getting, getting the ball rolling to allow these two to, to really complete it. And just for the record, Trevor Zegers, two goals, two assists in 14 games. I did actually catch a little bit of Tamu Solane um, on mm-hmm. missing curfew. He did an interview with those guys, which is a little bit redundant. A lot of like stories that that Tamu's told elsewhere, and you know, that, that just get brought up all the time because everybody loves talking about him because he's like the coolest dude in the world, right? <laughs> but he actually called out that he would. He knew at the time when Zegers was holding out, uh, Tamu was very concerned that that would disrupt him and that he would have a slow start to the year. And it's interesting to hear it from him um, because obviously, right. I mean, there's few guys that have had more legit careers than Tamu and he did it for so long and pretty much saved for like two seasons when he had like a horrible injuries that he just couldn't battle through. Um, he produced every single year. He produced every single game. He was one of the most consistent players in the history of the NHL. So him 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 noticing that Zegers is going to miss uh, is going to miss training camp and expecting that to have a serious impact on his production. I thought that was an interesting little uh, little nugget. And frankly, you know, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Uh, I, you know, my thing on this stuff. It's hey, if it works and it scores a goal. It scores a goal, and you're trying to win yep. the game. Yep, and I get that. But especially if a little shit like Zegers did it, <laughs> just take the suspension and just, just <laughs> do, do your worst. And I, I swear to God, a third of the league is is going to be your best friend. You're gonna get mm-hmm. so many texts in the locker room by the time you get out of the shower. Fifteen minutes later. But the commissioner's not going to love it. No, <laughs> no there's, there's no denying that. In terms of uh, Zegers, he did miss, uh, I think, 20 games with a groin injury. And, and so, it, you know, Zegers didn't start the year necessarily healthy and, and missed 20. But, uh, no, you're you're not wrong. I mean, it's been a slow start for, for Zegers. And, you know, I think if we want to talk, I don't know if we have really the Ducks in loose change, but they just lost Leo Carlson for 
the next four to six weeks with a, uh, I think a torn MCL, but grade one. So nothing too, um, too, too serious, but not what you want to see for your, your second overall pick, but Anaheim is there, you know, I think they're, they're, they're treading water. You know, it, it's definitely not going to be a run in the Pacific, but um, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what re- the reality is. So, and Bedard, you know, love to see it. I think his, uh, he had a nice little, nice little game in that one and uh, fun stuff to see from the exciting young guns in the national. Uh, any final thoughts on the Mishies? Definitely not. Yeah, no, I figured that. So moving on, moving on to uh, loose change, as we always do, covering in the national, our little, uh, you know, our little review. It was uh, an interesting week as, as you know, the national and, and, and they took off uh, the 24th, 25th and 26th. So it's a little bit of we got to pull out of the mem- the memory blank or the memory uh, bank and, and try and figure out what happened before. But definitely some exciting hockey. And uh, I actually have a game. Of, I'm, I'm already ready to call. Call, call one game a uh, game of the year already, but Ross, I know you've got some stuff from, from loose change, so I'll let you uh, lead us off. I mean, talk about a big league tease. What was the game of the year, Jack? This was uh, – and, and it's painful because I know Army isn't here to, to debate it, but it was a uh, nice little five, uh, 6-5 win for, I think, for the Detroit Red Wings in a shootout after uh, going up, I think, 4 or 5-1 in this one before the James Reiner, Reimer effect really took into uh, fruition with – with the Red Wings, uh, they uh, <laughs> allowing um, Philly to claw back, and and this was an exciting one. I was actually watching this one with my dad, and, and we were, we were both on the the page of Kane had two goals in this one, and and then ended up getting the shootout winner. But uh, no, it was fun to see kind of you know Philly coming back into the third period. I think they're down four goals, and and Torts gets the boys going, and and they're able to kind of start clawing back, and you kind of just felt that momentum shift, and and. Um, it was it was interesting, you know. It, Detroit really had no response in that third period, uh, besides a Larkin goal from the goal line that just ended up hitting a, a defenseman's stick that tied the game. Because it was, you know, it, so it was what was it? It was five one after the first period in favor of Detroit. Couturier and Frost make it five three in the second before Hathaway, Loughton, and Tippett make it six five Philly. That wasn't to last for only really about 45 seconds before the Red Wings were able to tie it. It was a close third period action. Felt like a playoff atmosphere um, all the way. And um, before it was sent to to shoot out and, and Detroit, they turned it on once it got to the overtime. But unfortunately, uh, Carter Hart ended up turning it on and turning on the Jets before ending up losing this one in in a shootout to uh, to the Wings. But it was just it was it was a playoff atmosphere and it was a, it was a fun watch and and you know I think Philly being the the real vibe of the year right now and, and what they've done in that that division it, it was uh, it was fun hockey to watch and you know looking at Detroit and again I know Arm Dog's not here to defend them but I said to you pre pod like they're two eight two and eight in their last ten and I think they're one game above five hundred at this point and, and they're starting to slide so it's it's been a trend that you know and the crazy part about it is Dabrinkin and Kane are scoring. Kane's already up to six goals on the year. Dabrinkin's up to 18 and, uh, and they're getting production from these guys, but it's been a little bit of a concerning sign from the Red Wings. And I know arm dog again is not here to debate it. And when you got James Reinmer starting most of these games, it's going to be an issue. Um, so goaltending definitely probably needing to be addressed in the, uh, the Detroit locker room, but, uh, no, it was it was fun hockey, and, and the only thing I will say about the Red Wings, I was really impressed with. Uh, I think it's Joe Valeno. This guy is he's going to be a guy that uh, you know he's not necessarily going to be one of your top two centers, but 
Uh, he's a guy who works hard. He's, 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 he's plays a 200 foot game and, and he's got some speed. So it, I was very impressed with what I saw from 90 and Bellino and we'll see. I mean, Detroit needs to kind of pick it up unless uh, they lock, they want the rest of the league to just kind of keep on passing them. They're, they're a little bit riding the coattails of, of a hot start. So I'm curious what you've got on Detroit before we continue on and, and lose change. Yeah, man, that's really concerning. They're they're way down in the standings. They're yep. a bunch of spots out of the wild card right now. They need to leapfrog Carolina, Washington, Tampa Bay, New Jersey, Pittsburgh. They have a worse point percentage than Montreal right now. Yep, yep. That's scary. I know goaltending's been an issue. I'm curious if Army's going to be like, this goalie situation is a crisis and it's threatening the season, <laughs> but we're playing okay. We're doing well. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be chill like that or if his hair is going to be on fire. Um, so that'll be interesting to check in with him on. But, yeah, man, I would say this is officially a crisis in Motown. Uh-huh. Uh, that That's a lot of teams. That's a lot of teams to get past in the scoring format. So yep. I would be absolutely terrified. Oh, and even to go off that, I mean, you you listed Carolina, New Jersey, uh, Washington, all these teams, and you know, Tampa, yes, Washington, Tampa, Montreal. Yep, and and these these are some of these teams are you know I think people have been waiting for for New Jersey and, and Carolina to really click on. I think Carolina is starting to to have that happen, and and New Jersey, it's seemingly they're taking you know maybe two steps forward, one step back has has been their kind of their theme lately, but. Uh, you know, these are tough teams. These are teams that made runs at, at, at uh, long playoff runs last year. And, and you look at this Detroit team and, you know, yes, they, they had a fantastic start of the season, but uh, they're treading water and it's not the right time to be treading water. I, you know, if there is any time in the season to do it, I guess it's now rather than that race of January, February, uh, March, April, but uh, definitely some concerning signs for, for arm dogs wings. And, and we'll see what happens. They need to they need to write the ship quickly and, and get things rolling. And you know, yes, it doesn't help that uh, Huso's hurt and uh, and Alex Lyon, but next man steps up, and and it hasn't been the case for for the Detroit Red Wings as they're not able to outscore their weaknesses at this point. Um, so that's that's a little bit of the Wings talk. You know, again, we we want to let Arm have his his say, and we don't want to totally uh, put them out of out of conversation. But definitely some concerning signs up in Motown. Um, Rusty, what, uh, what do you got? Lead us off. Loose change. Um, <laughs> Thursday night last week, uh, Toronto Buffalo, I threw on. Eesh, eesh, eesh. Nine, three, nine, three Buffalo is the final. Like two and a half minutes into this game. It's two, nothing Toronto. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, Matthews looks great. Uh, let's let's hammer the Matthews hat trick. This is going to be a big one up in Buffalo. I go watch some other game, check back in, and it's you know six three Buffalo before the end of the period. <laughs> Just insanity, um, absolute insanity, and. The, the first goal that Buffalo scored, first goal Buffalo scored, Greenway, who's yep. been terrible, mm-hmm. enters the zone and flicks one on net that beats Samsonov. And no screen. The defenseman was two steps inside the blue line. 
Greenway's heels were on the blue line. It was basically it was basically a dump in on that. <laughs> this guy Samsonov, he's just he's he's broken. He's broken. Um, and they got to figure something out. But you know what? Honestly, like Rusty's Rusty's Eastern Conference Cup pick. I'm gonna go as far as to say, like, that's a major hole. Yes, finding a way to fill that hole, you'll get a really good look at what this team's real holes are. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to address goalie that far in advance of trade deadline so that they can be more confident about what to address and what to prioritize. Yeah. And they keep winning. They keep they're doing okay as a team. Yep. But that game, the goaltending just they they didn't have a chance. They didn't have a shot. Mm -hmm. And they scored a bunch of goals. Like they scored enough to 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 make it a competitive, I mean, three goals in a, in a game is always going to, you know, generally you're going to be competitive. So I get what you're saying. Generally, right. And I just had a one quick note here on on Matthews. His, his, <laughs> I, I DM'd you the clip. Yep. His his suddenness with the puck when he when he approaches a loose puck, the sudden movements he makes, it's as if he never makes the obvious catch and turn to open ice. Whereas for most players, as you approach a loose puck, you look over your shoulder, you get a feel for where the little pocket of openness is. And you Mm -hmm. go, Matthews almost tries to fake that and then grab the puck and go against the grain. Right. He's so skilled and so good protecting the puck and advancing it. Sometimes yep. when he does that, his little fake to the open side gets a adds a little bit more space to going against the grain. And if he can scoop the puck and go against the grain, he can maybe beat two guys and yep. turn the whole offensive zone into a helter-skelter instead of just getting the puck, going to the safe place, and having that split second to make a pass or take a shot. Right. When he does these things, it can it can turn a defensively sound structure for the opponent into a ten alarm fire, mm-hmm. five alarm fire. I don't even know if they go up to ten in the alarm fire scale, but <laughs> it, it, that was just an interesting thing to me. His wraparound goal that he scored. Uh, really helped calm things down at that time. It was right after that miserable goal Samsonov let in. And when Samsonov let that goal in, everybody on the Leafs bench has got to be thinking, holy shit. Yep, we're in for one. And then Matthews goes right out and and scores. That's a cheap goal that he scored. He he Mm -hmm. knows what I'm talking about. He goes to get the puck in the corner, and the obvious play would have just been going straight up the wall to the D. Instead, Mm -hmm. he makes a spin a Rooney uh shot on net from the absolute corner of the ice yeah the boards a little bit of a seeing eye shot but it's matthews and he's you know by the way leading the nhl in goals by a handful yep oh, he's on pace for 70. and and levi levi just never saw it he didn't hit the deck fast enough and he yep. probably got you know he probably got that on net in the high 80s and 
all of a sudden he turns a loose puck in the corner into a goal that ties the game and erases that goalie mishap. That really stood out to me. And it got me thinking about the ways he goes to loose pucks. And I saw a couple other examples and I thought that was interesting. You know, not like we don't watch Matthews a lot and there's not enough coverage of him, but mm-hmm. that nuance to to his offensive zone play, I found very interesting. Yeah. Um, Good insight. Absolutely. Marner, Marner, Marner. Marner's, he's a, he's a sick player, but he, remember my discussion about Team USA in the World Junior? Mm-hmm. That's how Marner plays in the NHL. Yep. And these blind, cutesy drop passes in his own zone when it's five on five. I just feel like if he makes those passes, assuming everyone else is on his level of skill, thinking, readiness, that whole superstar world junior roster kind of thing. And he makes these plays in an absolutely like nothing situation. Other teams going for a line change. You're breaking out of the zone against no pressure. And he makes these cutesy little things, ends up in the back of the net because the defensive wasn't ready for it. Puck takes a bad bounce. It turns a complete non-threatening play into a goal against. Yep. And I've seen it a few times. He had one particularly awful one in that Buffalo game. And that's the kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff, especially a team that's really struggling with goaltending right now. Well, let me pose you a, a kind of a crazy question. And I know just, you know what I just want to say is that's the kind of stuff coaches need to address with players. Yep. You need a hard coach to sit a guy down when he does that kind of stuff, even though it's Marner, even though it's it, it, it's a superstar. And Sheldon Keith has proven time and time again he's not that guy. Correct. And that's, you know, I think that's the authoritarian that, that maybe Toronto needs. And, you know, I think it'd be interesting to see if they had a guy who who would kind of hold that standard even to your superstars. Uh, it would probably be a little bit of a different. Jack, no, it, it's not even to your superstars. It's especially to your superstars. Right, right. Yep. They, no, absolutely. Need, they need a coach to come in that holds the top end of the roster to the yep. even higher accountability than the bottom end of the roster. Mm-hmm. The winning games right now and getting a point cushion where you can make some of these defining decisions that maybe aren't in the best interest of winning every single game. You can treat some of these, you know, some of this middle, we'll call them the middle 40 of the year. Mm-hmm. You can treat a couple of nights in here as, you know, lesson teaching, but I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know if it takes, I don't know if the Matthews, the Marner, the Nylanders, I, I don't know if they're willing to handle that kind of coaching. Right. The, the, they're scoring their points. Mm-hmm. I think objectively, even by any metric, they're all playing well. Yes, yes. But the there's, additions, a, yeah. there's a lot of fat on that game that could get chopped off that I think is really important because the rest of the roster isn't so good. Correct. And, you know, I think you look at the uh, offseason acquisitions. You know, in this one, I think Domi was minus four. Uh, who else? Let me see. Boy, was I wrong about Domi. But uh, Bertuzzi know. was minus three. Domi's doing, a bit. Domi's, do, Domi's doing a little bit. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, 
and you know you look at the back end and, and they still have obviously some holes they need to fill there and, and some some injury problems on the back end but you know it's it's it, I, I almost I, I want to pose the crazy question to you is do you maybe accelerate this this Nylander Marner debate and you maybe bolster up the roster with a goaltender and and, a, and some depth with making making a move or do you think that's just completely ludicrous I I just don't think it's realistic I don't think it's realistic I get it's, it I get it I, I think like 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 be a GM mode playing a video game I, I mm-hmm. think about it hard but realistically get moving contracts and players of that significance during the season that's a little crazy and the those three guys are also your leading three scores Willie Nylander's leading the team with three, three points, 46 and 32. That's a pretty – like, that's a great <laughs> for his entire career. So just, um, and I, I don't think the franchise – teams just don't make – teams just Correct. don't make moves like that in the middle of the season. They just don't. Yep, especially with a superstar caliber of, of those two guys. I, I agree with you. I, I just – I think my GM sense would be, like, maybe a big uh, – um, message to the locker room and a big move might be a little bit of a reset that this team needs. But, you know, as, as you said, it's, I think looking at, you know, we've talked about Detroit and their goaltending issues. I think Toronto has been able to survive with uh, the combo of, you know, they've got five goalies on the roster right now. I think uh, wall is hurt, but Samson off Murray, Martin Jones, and uh, um, it, it's, it's guys that have yes been around for a while, but not proven necessarily winners. So that's where I'm like, I look at this Toronto team. I look at, at Detroit and yes, Toronto has been for the most part outscoring their, their issues. And then you see, you know, uh, in Toronto media, I mean, I loved it because it was, I think the last day of, of uh, Kipper and Bourne and they were treating this like, this is just an easy, nice little layup at the rim to, to put it in. And they're like, Oh, Toronto's just going to absolutely wipe, wipe Buffalo's uh, smirks. They're saying it was basically going to be a Toronto home game because Buffalo is uh, kind of uh, protesting their, their performance earlier in the year, this early in this year. And, uh, it was quite the opposite and quite the wake-up call for potentially Toronto. They'd go on and beat, I think, Columbus after this. But, again, last night they would end up losing 4-2 to uh, to the Sens. So it's – and this was this was a 4-2 game with a really rough goal on Martin Jones from basically the, the circle – or from the from the goal line that it just kind of got thrown on net and, and beat him shoulder side and, and he wasn't protecting the post. But, uh, no, I mean, Toronto's got some issues. And, you know, I think that's why people – look at this team and say, yes, they have the talent to be a contender, but I don't think they're a contender right in this moment, day and age of December 28th. Well, Jack, you're wrong. I'm wrong a lot. I've you're, gotten used to that. You're wrong because they are, let's see, one, two, three. They have the third best points percentage in the East. Mm-hmm. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10th best point percentage in the league. So let's look, look at how tilted that is. Look at how flat the East is compared to the West. Yep. Um, but only 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 Boston and New York have a better points percentage than them in the East. The mix it up thing, I get that. But mm-hmm. again, I don't think you can make those kinds of decisions until you, you get some stable goaltending for a stretch. They haven't had stable goaltending for a stretch at all. And they're third in the East. That's yeah, it. No, I get it. I get it. Something. Um, so 
definitely some holes on the team, but I think you need I think you need to find a stretch of goaltending that you have confidence in before you can address mm-hmm. anything. Because if if they can't find that stretch of goaltending, that's just normal. If they can't find a goalie that can give them a chance to win consistently, night after night, in every nine out of every in nine out of every ten games, yep. and they can't see that in eighteen out of a twenty game stretch. Or basically, let's just call it 20 out of 30 games. Mm-hmm. If they can't get goaltending that's representative, 20 out of 25 games for that kind of a stretch across probably two guys. Yep. Then there's no sense in going out and doing anything because that you can't win like that. You just can't. Yep. So it just, for me, it just starts there. And if you, you need to find a way to solve that before you even fire Sheldon. Before you make a big trade, and especially before you look at the long-term future of the top three players. Correct. You know the panic button. It's it's. I've got a hot tub above me, so I I, I figured it out. It's unfortunate, uh, but. Um... No, it's, you know, I think you're right. You know, there are, there are teams that hit the panic button too early and then it ends up costing them in the years down the road. So I, I get what you're saying. And I think a little bit of conservative play on this makes makes the most sense, especially when you're looking at the third best team in the Eastern Conference. You know, it, it's it's hard to hit the panic button. So I, I get it. I get it. And, I you know, I know the big question marks will, will be faced with what they do with the superstars in the come off season. But no, I get it. I, I agree with you. But, but my point is it's basically between now and February that the goaltending needs to be addressed just needs to happen. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. You're absolutely spot on. You're absolutely spot on. And, and, you know, I, as much as we're talking about, again, the third best team in, in the, in the Eastern conference, it's, it's kind of wild, but uh, I think when you look at it and, and you talk to probably the people in Toronto, you know, I think that's what they're probably saying separates them from being, a true Stanley Cup contender. You know, I think yes. At, at this point in day, in this stage of the the standings, they are a contender. No, de- no denying that. But uh, I would say Toronto fans would say a little shoring up the goaltending, and and this team is deadly. And you know, as much as we've said it, and as much as this team has struggled to win in regulation, they're still still piling up the wins and still staying competitive. How many games uh, behind uh, Boston are they at this point? Do you know or points? Yeah, from a points percentage st- standpoint. Uh, there's six points back with one game in hand. Okay. Okay. So that, you know, it, it's, they're in the mix. They're in the mix. They're in the, the mix. Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, no, I, I'm glad you brought up Toronto. I know, uh, you know, Toronto media does, it does a hell of a job covering their own, but uh, it's been a, a little bit of a conversation. Um, what else do you got before the break? Cause I do want to talk a little bit of Colorado as you got Woody behind you. Uh, let's see. Loose change, loose change. Wow, that was a long, long bit there on the Leafs. Uh, Edmonton at New Jersey Devils. Talk about another team that's in a serious, that's having serious goaltending problems. Both teams, really, but really the New Jersey Devils. Yep. Um, Michael McLeod actually leads the league in faceoff percentage. That's a pod podcast correction. We previously reported Vinny Trojan. <laughs> I might have been, I might have seen a stat that was like D zone win percentage or something, but right. Michael McLeod at this stage leads the actually as of last Thursday leads the NHL in faceoff percentage at sixty six percent, which is crazy. He scored a goal that game, um, as did uh, his brother McLeod on Edmonton. 
um, third period, the Oilers scored three goals in 69 seconds to go from down 3-2 to up 5-3. You, it's the Mike Singletary Bears rant. You can't win with them. You can't coach with them. You can't goaltending like the devil's got. You can't. You, you're done. Yep. It's, their, their team sim, is kind of similar to Toronto in the way that they can score a bunch of goals and be sloppy and mm-hmm. sometimes disrespectfully reckless with the puck in their own zone. But you can't win games with some of the goals that got that, that went in here. Uh, right. No, and looking at this. The third period lead becomes five to three. Right, right. And we actually – we watched this New Jersey team play Edmonton after uh, recording a pod, I think, of, uh, about a month ago now. And we were at Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know if you remember that. And, and Edmonton completely ran um, New Jersey out of the building. And uh, That was Carolina that night. Was it? Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. But, uh, no, I think looking at it, this was my cup My cup winner, I believe, is New Jersey. And you look at the two goalies of Smith and, and Vanacek, both under – This is your nine, cup final, isn't it? I think it was – it was uh, – Vegas, 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 New Jersey. Uh, but uh, no, Vanacek and, and Schmidt, they're both under nine, uh, nine, 900% save percentages. And, and it's been a huge issue for, for New Jersey as they've seemingly, you know, it seems like they want to, you know, this is a team that was so good last year. And, you know, yes, it's uh it's a talented roster, but they are seemingly not able to separate themselves in the Eastern conference. And, you know, it's what's found themselves towards the bottom of the Metro. And, you know, that's what Washington, you know, do I think they can pass Washington? Absolutely. Washington's still playing great hockey. Don't get me wrong. Do I think Washington could still find themselves in the wild card spot? Absolutely. But I still think this is a better team than what Washington fields. Um, you know, yes, the regression of Philly hasn't happened. Will it happen? You know, we're now 33 games in for a Philly season and, and it hasn't happened yet. And the vibe is, is as strong as ever. And then you look at, you know, I think the weirdest team in the league right now and, Excuse me, the uh, <clears throat> New York <coughs> apologies, the New York Islanders who are second in this division and and quietly second. You know, no one's really talking about the fact that the Islanders uh, have really established themselves in this metro so far. But you know, I, I still just see I see the pathway for this New Jersey team to to click on. It's just like you said, is is the goaltending strong enough? And yes, last year it seemed like. Uh, they were outscoring and, and really able to hide the, the problems that, that we're seeing this year in, in Vanacek. And that's why we saw, you know, Smith in, in the playoffs is because they couldn't rely on on any of these guys in the big key moments in the big game. So it, it's definitely a, a concerning mark for, for the Devils. There's no question about it. And another note on there, um, Arm has been very complimentary of Sam Gagne for the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Because he watched one game, and he scored twice. He took a high stick. Must have laid on the ice for six minutes before before just skating in the locker room. He was ble- he had to have been bleeding, right? They gave him four, but there wasn't like a pool of blood on the ice or anything. If you're down for six minutes, you know, I'm not saying that I want anyone to be. Bleeding. I want my time back. I want my time back. I hear you. I hear you. That was dis- I found that to be disgusting. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, that's all I've got on Edmonton, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's you know I think 
quickly before we wrap up on Edmonton, it's another team that, you know, yes, they, they climbed themselves out of it, but they're still, you know, they, they, they went on that heater and, and now it's seemingly like they're another team that's taking one step forward, one step back. So it, it's been, it's been a little bit of inconsistency and it's, it's actually both teams. So it, it'll be uh, definitely kind of a storyline to continue to watch and follow and see where, where these two teams end up in, in both conferences. So I, I like so it. Edmonton has, so Edmonton has, Edmonton has anywhere from two to three, two to three games in hand mm-hmm. on Minnesota, St. Louis, Nashville, Arizona. Yep. Those are the teams they need to leapfrog to get, to get you know, to get oh, even wild card. So technically they just need to leapfrog Minnesota, St. Louis, Nashville. And Seattle. Seattle's played 36. They've played 31. So they're, they're But if you're looking at points percentage. Right. No, I know. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yep. Yep. No, you're, you're spot on. And, you know, I think that's where the panic hasn't necessarily, you know, is setting in with Edmonton, but their, their, their path is, is still very, uh, very accessible. And it's just, it's a weird year. I mean, we talked about the East and how kind of flat the East is. The West is the haves and the have nots. And there are, it's like, there are six good teams in the West. Yep. And everyone else seems to suck, and it's not the six teams that you necessarily expected, right? It's just, it's mm-hmm. a, it, it's you, you've got Dallas and Colorado, which we all expected to be there. You've got L.A. and and Vancouver, Las Vegas, we all expected to be there, and then you've got Winnipeg and Vancouver, the two surprises, and then everyone else sucks. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, I think the Yotes don't suck, and I, like I'm, I'm loving the Yotes, and I think we're all rooting for the Yotes to get in. Mm-hmm. But no, like those top three teams in the Pacific, and I mean the top three teams in each division out west. And it's funny we're saying this right now because come playoffs, it'll probably be like it always is another shocker, and there'll be some team that's hot late and dangerous, but. It's just it's really rare that that the league looks like this come the new year. It's just it's just it's a weird year. Hey, it's it's why we're hockey fans and it's why we're sports fans. You know, it, it, True. things change, things change, change on, and that's you know we do our best. We are uh, we 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 try to try and give us your best, or we try and give you guys our best predictions of things. But things can change, and that's what's you know. I think you look at other sports in the world, and you know, football or basketball, and. You look at hockey, it's 60 minutes, who shows up that night, and it truly, you know, it can be, you know, yes, if you're that much more talented, you know, that night, you're probably going to win, you're probably going to win most nights, but it also allows for the outlier of, of a team that is maybe not as, as powerful to to play a great brand of hockey for 60 minutes, strong 60 minutes, and and end up coming away with uh, with some wins, and, and that's where, like, you know, I get frustrated about it. I don't want to cover the Hawks-St. Louis game for, for very long, but the Hawks ended up uh, scoring. I think they went up like four one or five one, and then I just I turned off the game. I'm like, oh, Hawks are going to win a blowout game for the first time all year. Love it. Uh, and then I just keep seeing the ESPN. St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis ends up seven five winner for fucking St. Louis. But uh, you know, it's just it, it is uh, it's the outliers of this game, and and it's why we love it. And you know, you never know who's going to show up on any given night. And, 
uh, and things can change in a minute. And that's, that's something we've definitely seen so far in the early 23, 24, almost 24 campaign. So it, it's definitely some exciting stuff. As you brought up the Yotes, you know, they're sitting in the, the first wild card spot in the uh, Western Conference. I don't know where point percentages has them, but uh, they, uh, you know, last no, the year. Yotes, the, the Yotes, like, are where their point percentage suggests they should okay. be. Okay. Okay. They are that's, the second that's exciting. team in the West. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think last night the big one. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think we had too many eyes on this one, but Colorado, uh, Colorado, Arizona last night, and we talked about Colorado and their issues. And and um, actually, I think hey, Jack, I'm telling you, man, we talked about it once. I think two or three weeks ago, after they had a, an ex- another exciting game. How awesome of a first round series would that be? <laughs> oh, the Mullet Arena would be rocking. Oh, Denver would be rock. I that would be insane. I'd almost say we might have to make a trip for that one. I'd almost say just to go catch our first game at Mullet Arena, it'd be a playoff game versus versus Colorado would be get there early with a Tyson Nash sign. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we got to get a Tyson Nash sighting or at least a little bit of a of a shout out on the Arizona Waves. But no, we'd have um, to get there for warm up and bring a sign down to write yeah. where Tyson Nash stands. But but yeah. uh, between the glass, is he in between the benches? Gotcha. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes. And, and and bring a sign that says, you know, I came all the way to Arizona and all I want is a Tyson Nash autograph and get him to stand up and put, put we also need to get our slot shot stickers going so we can tag yeah. up tag up arenas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh but no, last night I mean unless the only thing I'll say is there any other games before the Christmas break that uh, you wanted to cover? I mean yeah. I'll go quick. Keep going. Keep going. No, 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 we're good. We're, we're in no rush. One quick line here, just uh, Golden Knights, Lightning, Barbashev, Barry Sorelli, Hagel goes him. Uh, the, a little clip of it went viral because Hagel grabbed him and he only had one glove off and he held and he him. Let him yeah. <laughs> not, I mean, I think anybody would have done that. It was just kind of weird. So I'm not going goo goo gaga for that. But mm-hmm. Hagel hung in there. Barbashev's yep. a thick dude. Barbashev mm-hmm. probably has. 30 or 40 pounds on Hagel, even though they're about right. the same height. Just add it to my list of Brandon Hagel appreciation. I love the guy. He's, uh, Vancouver, he's you got anything? No, I just say he's a stud. He's a certified stud. Vancouver at Dallas. I have that game circled for Thursday night. Right? Another, another check-in on Vancouver and another kind of fraud alert check-in. Are they who they appear to be? And they are. I mean, they have. I mean, they they prove to be in this game. Um, Garland line scores a go ahead goal to make it three to two with four minutes left. This Garland line, man, they they can, at this point. I'm saying it right now. Garland's off the trade block. Yep, he's an identity player for them. That line yep. is huge for them. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's carrying the team. Is it Tim Bluger and who? Uh, Joshua, 81. Right. Yep. And all are producing. All are producing. It's unbelievable. And if you watch the game, they're playing in the ozone every time they're on the ice. Uh, Pedersen, Pedersen on stick checks, man. You watch Pedersen go in on the four check and he'll throw, he'll throw what looks like kind of a soft, like a weak forehand, like, just like using his reach to get his stick around to the puck around right. the player or something. Mm-hmm. 
And next thing you know, he'll have both hands on his stick. He'll be skating into position. And he's just so tough and hard on those loose pucks. He is relentless. Uh, and his stick is so strong in those situations. That really jumps out to me because he's a guy that came in the league and everybody thought he was going to get pushed around. He right. seems to have totally addressed that in his offseason. He doesn't, he doesn't look any bigger on the ice, but he plays a lot bigger. He just kept falling down in that game. I don't know what was going on. Maybe he had skate issues or maybe the ice was weird. I don't know. That was a big note that I had. Anything on Pedersen? Oh, and his reverse hits. Dude. So I don't know what he's done, but his lower body must look like Marty St. Louis. I mean, he must have a caboose under there because <laughs> this his reverse hits are lethal. And yeah. he was just chucking them. He plays with a lot more edge than I think a lot of people understand. And we've talked, we probably say it every week. You can't teach grit. Owen Power's a pussy. This and that, this and that. <laughs> and with Pedersen, I really do think he's he's developed that in his game. I give I think he was there last year. I think playing with JT Miller has maybe helped some of that. Yep. Maybe, maybe Tockett deserves some credit, but I just want to mm -hmm. give all the credit to Pedersen because he's got a little he's got that Forsberg suite in him. And it's yep. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty scary. No, uh, absolutely. All right. So that, that third line puts him up 3-2 in this game. Then, oh, this sequence. Oh, this was a tough sequence. Then a minute later, minute later, JT Miller wins a faceoff in the D zone. He beats Hints on the draw. Right. And then by design, Maybe to try to get an empty netter, I don't know, but by design, he wins the draw and he flies the zone, right? So he snaps it back in the corner and then he just flies up the wall. Like we do this in beer league sometimes. Mm -hmm. Defenseman gets it and rims it, right? Heiskanen keeps it in. Miller's completely out of the play, and Heiskanen basically walks right into the zone and then Harley. That good-looking young defenseman, fifty-five. That yep. you're, you're welcome. You, it. you were on it. You were on it. You were you're welcome, Holly. I was early. Take, on. Your, take your victory lap. Harley gets it, and as Miller's like the guy that's a few steps behind him, comes in and makes a great shot and beats the goalie to tie it there, and it went into overtime. I didn't even keep track of who won in overtime because, frankly, I don't think either team needs the point. And I, little bit of a side note here. I don't see – it's probably good for, for less nerdy fans than I. I don't see a ton of value in watching NHL overtimes. I just – sometimes it's entertaining, but nine times out of ten when I'm watching games on the couch and there's a bunch of games on that night and it goes to overtime, I don't stick around for the intermission and I go watch another game that's playing five-on-five. Five. It, it's not that it's boring I, it, because they. It, it's not about maybe putting the rules in where it's less possession. That is an issue, but it's just not. It's not translatable to playoff hockey. Correct. 
No, it's it's funny you bring that up. And looking, I like don't it, think I mean, the, the 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 only the, the reason I'm holding off on some big rant and being really pissed off about it, and you know, starting to recommend rule changes and this and that, is because I don't have a solution. I think I think it's doing its job. Yep. And it's more hockey than the shootout. Correct. Although, although, especially the way it's being called now, it's more common that a penalty shot happens than three-on-three play happens. Yep, yep, yep. You know who's it's been more com- It's more common that a balls out, nobody within 30 feet breakaway happens in a game. Right. Then we are down to three-on-three. Yep. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. So it's, it's different. You know, I think looking at it and not that we'll dive into the history of, of overtime, you know, going from four on four to three on three, they thought would open up the ice and create more scoring opportunities. Teams have really taken it as uh, they're going to try and possess the puck. They're going to regroup a lot more than you would have expected. And then try and find that, that perfect, uh, perfect ice and lane and, and try and find that perfect opportunity. But and we uh, spent some time on it last week, Jack, what it's become so much more of is, the possession and the regrouping it's it's there's a major piece of it where right if you have the ball if you have the puck the other team can't score correct so there's a defensive concept to it but it's really a bigger deal about sort of lulling the other team to sleep in the neutral zone Uh boom one pass boom one bad change yep boom it's almost like a lacrosse fast break situation Mm -hmm. You get one moment where two guys go for a change at the same time, and your yep. guy beats him by half a step, and you can zip that stretch pass in there. Right. So it, it it's it's a lot about kind of just waiting them out and drawing right. them out. And Correct. It's sort of the it's sort of the offensive trap, if you will. Yep. No, and, and to your point, and you're absolutely spot on. And I think it's what the league has definitely uh, addressed it, and they're aware of that. There there's some issues that that lie there. I think going back to my game of the year between Philly and Detroit. It was an electric three on three, and and Detroit actually carried the the weight throughout most of it. And like I said, Carter Hart was was phenomenal. But uh, you do get the outliers where the three on three is fast paced; it's up and down the whole way, and and is fun hockey. But no, I think you know the league has has seen this as not necessarily the correct solution. But then again, like like we said, I mean, going from four on four to three on three, I really don't know. Uh, at least between our hockey brains, I don't think we have a really certified solution to this. But um, you know, it it, it there's no, there's no denying it. I mean, when you go into playoff hockey, it's five on five overtime, sudden death. Um, and I know you can't keep people in the building on a on a random Tuesday night in December for five on five hockey to continue on for three extra periods. You know, that's just not gonna, that's it's not sustainable, and that's not gonna happen in in this day and age. And now that they've abolished the tie in hockey, there's no going back. You can't reintroduce the tie. That's Correct. just that's just bad PR. So and that's what's my coach on Jack. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. The only thing I wanted to say is is the one person who's been a real uh, benefactor of, of the three-on-three is Matthew Shane. I think he's got like four or five overtime goals. He's got 11 on the year. Best pickup best pickup right now, in my opinion, of the offseason, though, in terms of I think he's got 29 points and, and he's producing. And he ended up getting the winner in that game that you were talking about. Don't disagree. He's playing a huge role for Dallas. He's the best value and they need the great value yep. because of the Ben and Sagan contracts mm-hmm. to ratios however are you surprised matt duchene is the guy that's the biggest overtime merchant no, no not 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 in the slightest not in the slightest 
And that goes back to my broader Dallas point that right. the window is closed. But anyway, we'll see. Yep. No, I hear you. I hear you. No, it, it's that's it's absolutely uh, valid. Getting, um, getting, back, getting back to bad rusty takes. The other <laughs> game I watched Thursday night was Ottawa at Colorado. Yes. I had myself uh, I had myself a close watch and a lot of notes on this third period. Let's hear it. I'm gonna give you a walkthrough of Ottawa's okay. function in the third period. <laughs> it's mind blowing. It is mind blowing. It's further evidence that the coaching change was the wrong pieces moving around. And I just don't know what to fix with this team. But I'm 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 dug in. So they're gonna have to drag themselves out of it. It's gonna have to happen. I don't know. I don't know that it can. I don't know how it can. But if it keeps up this way, Jack, and they end up being one of the bottom three or four teams, I, I think whether they should or shouldn't is sort of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to blow it up. I think they're yeah. going to trade some like like either Brady or Stutzla or 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 one of the big defensemen or I just I don't know I but it's anyway no I hear you and you know I think yes we're, let we're approaching let me get to the game let me get okay. let, yep. let me just walk you through this dysfunction four to two senators entering the third period. We've been here a few times this year, haven't we? <laughs> McKinnon, just my only note on it is just Nate. He just he just he just does Nate things four to three. Drake Batherson takes an offensive zone holding penalty for checking tapes. And it was egregious. Like he had both hands around him. Like it wasn't a ticky tack thing. It was just right. Stupid play with a one goal lead in the offensive zone, just trying to get a cookie and not thinking about anything. Good kill, good pressure. They're denying the the entries. Like they're making Colorado's power play look bad. In the final seconds of the kill, everything's stationary and they're in good structure. And McKinnon has the puck on his stick. Nothing sudden. He's just sitting there looking. And he just stares Corpusalo in the eyes and beats him with a shot. <laughs> four to four. They do an offsides review. So coaches challenge mm-hmm. the McKinnon play. And we go back in time to the zone entry before Nate stared Corpusalo in the eyes and beat him. So again, had almost nothing to do with uh, had almost nothing to do with the play itself. I get what you're saying. The play itself. I timed it this time over five minutes Yeesh. to review this one. And for, for the record, and for the record, it looked like Nachushkin was offsides. <laughs> so I don't even know that they got it right. But again, I don't care. Just give me the time back. Anyway, they rule goal on the ice. They rule it's a good goal, Merrick. It's a good goal, Merrick. It's a goal. On the resulting power play for Colorado, right? So they not only give up the game tying goal, yep. but now they're shorthanded again. 
after again just whatever this broken yep. review system Rantanen does the chop tip the chop tip the Colby Armstrong uh uh choice word the chop tip that Crosby sort of you know famously pioneered right at the bottom of the circle on a pass from either Taves or uh, or or McCarr. right I thought Corpusalo probably should have had it. It wasn't a perfect, it wasn't one of like the perfect surprising chop tips. It was kind of anticipatable and predictable. And it was from even a weirder angle where it didn't, the puck didn't go into the net at such a high speed. Right. But nevertheless, nevertheless, 4 2 sends lead entering third period. Now it's 5 4 Colorado <laughs> with about eight minutes left. Previously, we've talked about Colorado's injuries and, you know, they're mm-hmm. missing a lot of guys in the blue line. They've got this guy named Malinsky, who wears number 70, that plays defense for them right now. Brutal, brutal turnover in his own zone. It was kind of like one of those Marner plays where it was like a line change in a zero-pressure breakout. Right. I don't, give, I don't want to give any credit because they didn't do anything here. And this Malinsky just coughs it up right in the slot, takes a tripping penalty. Ottawa to the power play. Seven minutes and 30 seconds remaining. Failed to convert on that power play. Um, a couple notes in there. Woody got hosed on an icing call. He, he, beat, he was going to beat Chicken on the touch-up. And Woody did ice it himself. On the <laughs> but icing's another rule that is just completely out of control. Icing and replay. Icing and replays are my two biggest gripes right now. As we progress through the game, Brady Kachuk pulls off a pretty pretty sweet toe drag on Josh Manson. Manson goes to the box for tripping. Second Ottawa power play. The abs look like the abs are playing terrible hockey. They're like trying to keep the game away. Chokey power play, klutzy zone entries, bad shot selection, puck mismanagement, including Jake Sanderson, who seems to be like the only calm, cool, and collected center. He's like the only guy that seems to be steady Eddie. Even Mm -hmm. he was making some dumb passes and plays on this power play. Outnumbered in front of the net on every power play chance. It all comes down to like a final, final, final push with the empty net, six on four, and they work it around, and they get the puck to Stutzla. And they and they made some great plays. I want to say Giroux made a key skip pass, like, through the, the defensive structure. Mm-hmm. That came back up to Stutzla, who, like, walked in from the, uh, from the half wall with the game on his stick right in the slot, Stutzla. Misses the net. Nate Dogg scores his fourth on an empty netter. Yep. But it's just the – the effort of finding ways to lose while still being a good team. It's just remarkable. It's just, it's, it's, it's absolutely astonishing. Yeah. Um, but Hey, I'm, I'm in the take bunker, so I'm, I'm not coming out until they're mathematically eliminated. So they're, they're unfortunately, they're doing everything in their will to, to make that possible. <laughs> yeah. It should be, should be, should be soon, but should be sooner than later. Yeah. No, there, there's no arguing that. And, uh, it's interesting. You you think it's it, I, my thought on it, and I know the leader leading core of that team is. I would I personally would probably make Giroux the captain and, and maybe strip 
Brady of the Sea. I know he's really the only one that's working working hard there, but uh, um, the games where they're obviously out of it and he loses his cool and and, and ends up uh, being the one that, that is fighting for it, I, I get it, and I you know I think your teammates appreciate that, but it's clearly not been what this team has needed and what is they're not responding to. So I, I don't know if a leadership change, you're saying a personnel change in terms of of maybe shuffling up the roster. You know they've already made the coaching change. It's the one team that has not benefited from the coaching bump. And it doesn't look like that will ever change. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's it's unfortunate for your go sense goal. So I hear you. I hear you. What, uh, what else do you got? That's that's it for loose change. Nice. Well, um, quickly, and, and while we're on Colorado last night, and we've talked about Devin Taze's comments, and, you know, this is a game where Colorado went out. They were dominant, dominant for uh, two and a half periods or two periods. And, and then all of a sudden, Arizona, the vibe, the mullet arena. I don't know if this was, I think this one was in Arizona too. Uh, things just change. And, and Arizona's right back into this one uh, and, and end up clawing back and winning it in overtime. You see Georgiev just absolutely lose his noodle on the boards at the end of the game. And uh, Bednar wants to, to see if it was uh, off the, uh, off the, the glove and into the net. And, and it's just, it's, for Colorado, for what uh, this team has been for for the last few years, and I saw a tweet from uh, John Butchagross, you know, this team needs additions is what his big opinion is on that. And I'm curious where you're at. And, you know, I know we talked about a little bit of a, of a hurting decor, but uh, what do you think is the biggest missing piece from this Colorado team? Is it health? Is it is it is it another sturdy defenseman? What do you think? Well, obviously we love the Woody line. Yep. They're not producing a ton of offense. Correct. It's Rusty, Woody, and uh, our boy uh, 25 there, Logan. Oh, O'Connor. O'Connor. That's really proving to be more of a fourth line than a third line. Yep. I think they need to get healthy. Lekkanen is – I can't stress enough how big of a piece Lekkanen is for them. Because right now they're loading it all up, right? They're loading right. it all up with Nate centering Rantanen and Nichuchkin. Chuchkin is having a banner year. He is choo-choo. The choo the choo-choo train is is a rolling. Rolling down the track. Yeah. I think choo-choo, I think choo-choo can actually drive a line if he's given the chance to, the way that he's playing. So if you can get Lekin in. So, so Rantanen can also drive a line. Correct. I, you know, I think their best team has something like, you know, Lekkanen with McKinnon and Rodriguez. Then, like, Rantanen with, I don't know, um, plug in, plug in. Let, let me get a look at that roster, but nobody's healthy. They're missing the kind of JT Confers of the world. Um, you know, the, the the attrition, they seem to be hurting in all the places where they've lost, um, right. where they've lost key guys. But I, I still, I still think it's a defenseman that they need. So positives. Positives is uh, Sam Gerard has uh, re-entered the the uh, the, the, chat. Uh, the chat and it seems like he might be playing tomorrow night for his uh, first game in a while after 
um, a little stint in the player assistance program. So that that's some helpful from stuff. Get get Gerard back. That'd be huge. That is good oh, news. That is good news. When uh, how long ago was Evan Rodriguez there? He's it's no longer there. <laughs> it's been a while. He, um, let me find Evan Rodriguez really quick. Because you you bring up JT Copper and you look at like Rodriguez is in uh, is in um, Florida with the Panthers right now and you're right and actually, last, last season uh, was it last year yeah. um, and so like you you subtract a Rodriguez you subtract a uh, JT Copper from this lineup and and there goes a little bit of that depth and you know Rusty Colton has uh, has been definitely a, a good. Uh, um, physical addition to this lineup. He's he's been in and out, and he's hurt right now. He's day to day, but um, I don't think you're quite seeing that depth that what this Colorado team had for so long. So it's it's maybe a depth piece in terms of the forward group. Um, you know, if you get you get Choo Choo going and him healthy, and it sounds like Lekkinen. You said Lekkinen. They're, they're a one line team up front, right? So Lekkinen is skated with teammates during Saturday skate while wearing it. So it's, it's a timetable. Lekkanen had a neck injury. So we'll see when he comes back. It was, he was skating as of, of Christmas Eve. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting to watch and, and Colorado doesn't look like that, that wagon that we uh, we've seen in years past. There's, there's no denying that. And they're up against, they're up against the cap, but you know, it, it sounds crazy to say it, but, they're they might be top heavy and good enough at the top right to go I, yep that's possible still, still a team you never want to see in the playoffs no uh, and that's where i think you know you looked at tampa for the last few years and even if they were hurting and, and limping kind of towards the playoffs and then you know the, the long-term ir maneuvering that tampa did uh but then they'd be able to get these guys back and and they were cruising and you knew um, these are teams you just don't want to face. And, you know, this is a team that has experience. And everybody looks at the McKinnon McCarr avalanche and thinks, you know, one Stanley cup would be a horrible underperformance, right? They, this is a yep. that should be winning multiple. Mm-hmm. They're not, I don't know. I don't know if they can win one with, with, without Landeskog and, right. without, and with, with the departures they've had and, they need that Woody line to step it up. Yep. Yep. No, it's, we're calling you out, Woody. We, we need something out of you. Need something from you, 2-8. We need something. But that's obviously, that's obviously not Woody's specialty. Rusty no, Colton, right? He's never been a half a point a game guy. Right. Um, Logan O'Connor's a career fourth liner, and I don't think I don't think there's more of a ceiling to be had there. So then, like, they pretty much have two fourth lines that are fine fourth lines, but they have two yep. fourth lines, and they've got – the passenger class on the roster, right? Johansson, joke, joke right now, joke. Uh, Drew N, (laughs) joke. So. No, you're right. You're right. I think, I think, I think management deserves some criticism there for, for those moves that have just not worked out. I I don't think you blame the coach for not getting those guys going. I think you look at, especially at, at the passenger class that like that's you could blame management for expecting more out of the Woody line, but you can't blame management for, I, um, sorry, you can blame management for, for expect not expecting get your words, right? Rusty. 
I think it's easier to blame management for Johansson yep. and for Drew End. Those are two pieces that those are roster pieces, and it's it's not like they're huge money guys, but Johansson, that's a real contract. Yeah, he's making a few mil, isn't he? Is he making yeah. three or three, I think? Let me yeah. get it up. Let me get it up. Versus um, Duran, who I think is on league minimum, if if not very low. Very that's low right. But it's it's two roster spots and it's ice time playing with big time players. Yep. Um, so Johansson's on a four million dollar cap hit. Jesus. And, <sighs> you know, it's just it's not it's good. Not right? it. It's not it. No, and that's where you know I think you bring up uh or I brought up I know Duchesne's a winger, isn't he? He can play both actually. Uh, that's where I look at it. And you know, I know Duchesne obviously in his years in Colorado wasn't wasn't the roster and wasn't the time, but um I look at that pickup and I would have been like, all right, well, yeah, you know what you're gonna get out of Ducher, but uh, maybe he would have been a better uh better addition than than Drew in or or potentially and because I think uh Duchesne's on a on a pretty low number as well. So it's just like he's on the vet minimum. He's on the vet That's vet what minimum. I thought. That's what I thought. So I would have been like, maybe you would have brought back Duchesne and maybe you well, would have gotten Duchesne a little got bit more. Bought out. Duchesne got bought out. Out of uh Nashville. Or was he? I think Nashville. Yeah, it was Nashville who bought him out. So right. so all they're paying him is like the difference. So yep. Duchesne. Duchesne's doing okay for himself. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's he's extending that career for, for a little bit longer. Um, he's playing himself into another ticket at yep. this summer. So Yep, no, absolutely. Um it no, it's it's interesting stuff and it it's been it's been different. It's not what you expect to see from uh from the uh, Colorado Avalanches. They're kinda not not limping, but they're they're treading water a little bit and and, and it'll be interesting to see where this team kind of develops over the next few months towards towards the playoffs and, and will this, this team be looking as uh as this huge, uh, huge looking for a big acquisition. Are they looking for just minor moves come deadline? It'll be, it'll be intriguing to see what Colorado is able to do. And, you know, like we said, it will be helpful to get Sammy Gerard back in that lineup. Uh, kind of curious to see where, where his game's at, you know, I think taking, taking a few months off, it, it takes a little bit of time to, uh, to adjust and, and get back into to game speed, but he's a talented defenseman with, with some good uh, upside. So there's hopeful help there. And, you know, it hasn't helped that McCarr has been banged up a little bit. And um, it's interesting. I want to revisit before we, we move on from the topic of Taze's comments a few weeks ago. Do you think this sits worse now looking at it? Do you think it's more of him trying to call out that locker room? Like you kind of said that they need to get going. What do you, where do you revisit uh, Taze's comments? I don't think now is the time to revisit Taze's comments. I still, I think my opinion on them is the same. I don't think it was a good move. I, I don't think it's a good <laughs> yeah. look. Uh, I don't think it's. It, it, I hear Colorado's, it. Colorado's in one right now, and like, mm-hmm. they just need to kind of snap out of it, figure it out. Yep. And, um, I think you know the depth piece. Who you said Butcher Gross brought that up. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point, and. The idea of just like white knuckling it and leaning on your big dogs to pull it out and to win a championship. We've seen Edmonton fail. We've seen McKinnon fail when there's been injuries or around him. It I can't think of the last team that did that and won. I, I can't think of it. I don't right. I don't think I don't think a team's done that since I don't know. 
the eighties, but I, I don't like not in the salary cap era. I don't think that's ever happened. Yep. So I don't know what to say about the like roster changes and mixing it up because there's not a lot of flexibility and I don't think yep. anybody's, you're going to have to dump a lot of picks to get rid of any bad contracts. The, only, and the other thing is I don't think, I don't think Colorado has a bunch of bad contracts. Like, no, no, you know where the money's going to be tied up to, you know, that's, that's given, you know, what, you know, who would be the player to move here to make a real hockey trade and mix things up. You're not saying, you're not saying, uh, Devon, are you? Taves. Wow. I see you. I hear you. You make a bet that, again, I, I'm not a coach that watches him play every night. and Like, I don't know how they feel about him inside the organization. They obviously felt pretty good about him when they extended him. But right. you make a bet that pretty much anybody can play with McCarr. Yep. That his value is pretty high right now. And he's that 29. League, he's going to be 30. The league, yep. The league thinks he's on a good contract. Right. That's seven million dollars that you can put towards the cap, mm-hmm. and you could get a real asset in return. A lot yeah. of there's a big market for like a lot right. of teams want a player like that. It's just hard to find a dancing partner, right? What mm-hmm. kind of a team is going to give up a player mid-season when they want to add a player like Taves? Well, um, that's where uh, who was I asking about in terms of earlier in the pod about making a move? That's where I thought, um, oh, Toronto, and that's. That they're not there. They're not there, obviously. Oh, we're, my, we're, oh my God. Oh, my God. Taves for Willie. Taves for Willie? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> it blows it blows it up. It really does. And it, that would be uh, – that would be – I mean, think about potentially Willie Rantanen or Willie McKinnon. Oh, my God. That's scary. It's it's eye opening, uh, and it would be exactly what Toronto needs to share up that blue line and, and put some reliability back there. And that's maybe uh, maybe the Slotshot podcast just uncovered the biggest potential trade of uh, that we'd love to see. But um, I don't know that that that'd be quite the uh, whoa. Yep, 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 yep. That yep, might yep. be that. That might have to be the title of this week's pod. Taves for Willie? Question mark. Taves for Willie. No, no, it, that's an eye opener. There's no denying that. Um, nice. Well, any uh, any final loose change thoughts? I mean, we just worked our way into Taves for Willie. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take the money and run on that take. Yeah, I agree. That might be that might be a heater. Uh, no, it's 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 interesting. And you know, as we we crawl towards uh, New Year's Eve and, and the NHL is is is. We'll be there. We've got Seattle and Vegas kicking off the Winter Classic in Seattle in the in T-Mobile uh, ballpark, and it should be an interesting one and uh, should be a fun one. The NHL will continue on as as we've passed the Christmas break, and and uh, they've kind of refreshed, got a few days. I love that the the league gives gives the families and the friends or, and the players a few days off, and you know I think it kind of worked out well. You know I did miss hockey on the on the twenty fifth and twenty fourth, but it worked out well that World Juniors picked up on the twenty sixth and. Um, you know, reality is probably Rusty, Alex, and I maybe needed a day off of watching hockey, so we're we're refreshed, we recharged, and uh, you know, after a nice little holiday break, we'll have some more uh, exciting loose changes as we continue to work our way towards the uh, the dog days of, of the league and of the season and and, and the important races that are really going to unfold here. Because you know, as you said, it this league is totally kind of 
not necessarily flipped themselves, but we're seeing like, you know, Vancouver is excellent. Um, Philly's been good. New York Islanders have been good. It, it, these teams that you wouldn't have necessarily said, oh, they're going to make a make a real run at these things. And they are. So it's been um, been a very fun so far, you know, Christmas start to the year. And, and I think you're seeing a, a league that is uh, as, as balanced as we've seen it in a long time, in my opinion. Let's wrap it up, Jack. Let's wrap it up. All right, we're moving on. We're moving on quick before we get to Saturday picks. Terminator of the week. Terminator of the week. We'll uh, we'll come back next week once we have a full full lineup on the pod. So uh, Alex is on the clock. We're not letting him uh, get off easy. So he will be next week's Termite of the week. Um, quickly, the PWHL. For anyone that doesn't know, it's the Professional Women's Hockey League. That uh, we are a, we are definitely a National League podcast, but uh, we are hockey fans and hockey supporters. So it's exciting to see that the women are. Are getting their league and and uh, I think Toronto Minnesota kicks off on the first. Toronto's already sold out their tickets, so exciting stuff to see for the PWHL as they continue on towards um, making themselves uh, a legitimate want, professional you, hockey league. You want a prediction for the PWHL? Let me let me hear it. I I, yeah. I don't know if I love it, but I'll, let me hear it. Here's here's a gutsy edgy prediction. It's gonna fail. I hear you. I hear. You. Um, I mean, the league's invest. I think the luck. NHL's invested in it. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't sound like a good investment, but um, I don't know. Um, I hear you. I hear you. If they can get fans to go watch, great. I love watching the 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 women's hockey when it's oh, USA. Canada, it's electric. I don't know if there's enough depth out there to fill right. up a 16 league. I just don't. Well, um, that's what's been interesting about so, it. You know, the teams. The, I don't know. I don't think it has much of a chance outside of Canada and the Great Lakes. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, I was kind of surprised by it that Chicago didn't end up getting a team. It's Boston, Minnesota, Montreal, New York, Ottawa, and Toronto are the teams this year. Um, so it should be interesting to see how that, that kind of plays out. And, you know, six teams playing a full schedule. They're going to, there's going to be some hate by the end of the year, but I hear you. I hear you. I, I just got to be happy for the game growing. That's, that's where my, my, my side of it is. And you just got to be hopeful that uh, um, something like this can work, but I get the, I get the opinion that it might. So I, I hear you. There's just there's too much other stuff to watch. Correct. You know, you're, it, not, you're not competing with the NHL. You're competing with Netflix. You're competing yeah. with The Bachelor. You're competing with like the Golden Bachelor. Whatever, like <laughs> whatever it is that chicks watch. You're competing with the shows they have on Bravo. Like right. No, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, the one. Battle. And there's the one thing I'll say, and I know we're not a soccer podcast, but the women's soccer league is blown up and, and been very successful. So that's where I'm hoping, I think they're hoping that they take that mold and, and are able to build off that, but we'll see. We'll see. It just uh PWHL kicks off on the first exciting stuff for the women's game. No doubt about it. Um, Saturday picks, Saturday picks, the boys, the boys hit one, the boys got one. We, uh, we finally had a winner. It was uh, an exciting one. And there were some overtimes that we had to watch. And in my case, it was a shootout and, I had my buddy text me. He's like, oh, I got 150 on uh, – uh, who was it? I think uh, Tampa to beat. I can't remember who it was, but Tampa ended up winning in the shootout, and it was an electric one. And I know you had Ottawa winning, and and uh, Armory, I think, had uh, – I can't remember. Maybe the Flames. I think he had the Flames last week. But Saturday picks. Army will give us his pick after the podcast, um, and it will be on the graphic that will be posted tomorrow morning. Um, Ross and Alex are at 7-3. I'm at 6-4. and four. Jason? Ross, have you looked? Uh, have you looked at the Saturday slate at all? You think you're ready to to fire from the hip? Your entire women's hockey rant. I've been looking at the schedule. It's it's a weird Saturday. Um, there are nine good games, games Friday, nine games Saturday, nine games Sunday. 
Yeah, that's an odd scheduling. Like that, th that's about kind of figuring out the Christmas break. I think you're mm -hmm. right sizing things. So you have a lot of teams coming off or going into back to backs. Right. That's tough. Um, yep. The one game I'm eyeballing here. Uh, it's hard to find a game that doesn't involve a team with back to backs. Right. So you know what? Screw it. It'll, it should be plus money. I think Carolina at Toronto. Um, you know, teams play hard when they visit Toronto. It's like where most guys are from. So there's always a handful of guys on every visiting team that are playing in front of friends and family. You've got Toronto coming off of a back-to-back -back, uh, prior night in Columbus. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm thinking, you know, the Leaf Stars get their cookies in Columbus, and then they come home to a hungry – uh, fresh, pissed off, underachieving, uh, Rod the Bod team with, you know, a whole new year, new us mentality. And I'm going Carolina over Toronto Saturday night. I like it. I like it. Strong, very strong. I'm looking at Friday. I'm looking at Saturday. I see Toronto and the Blue Jackets, and then they go to – they uh they drive over the border to Buffalo. I'm thinking Buffalo or Buffalo Columbus, but then again, that's an awful hockey game. So I'm not gonna quite do that to uh to our listeners and to our viewership. So I'm gonna pick the Washington Capitals beating the Nashville Predators in Washington. Four o'clock starting on the Pacific, seven o'clock Eastern. Should be an interesting one. Should be a, a game that you know I think a lot, the viewership probably hasn't caught a lot of Nashville. And there's been probably a little bit more Washington watching since they've been able to uh, to stay in it. But both teams are still within the wild card chase. Nashville in the second seed. I don't know where they are points percentage wise, but uh, should be a fun one in Washington. I'm going to take the Caps over the Nashville Predators. Only thing tough about that is the Caps are coming off of a of an Islander game Friday night. Right. Yep. No, you're right about that. You're right about. That. I just I couldn't do Buffalo. Columbus. It just it just it didn't sit right with me. That's all. All right. And we'll get Army's pick. We'll get Army's yep. pick. Army's got a, got a choice of games to go from. Um that wraps up another episode of, of Slotshot Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. That's where we're at at this point. Ross, I appreciate you joining me. I know you're back home in Boston. I know you're big shout out, big shout out to guest host Miles Mileswood. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um uh, no, no, no doubt about it. And uh you know, we appreciate everything uh, you guys have given us in in the year of 2023 and in 2022. We started this, and it's been a fun journey, and it's been a fun ride that I uh, look to continue to to uh, to ride with these boys. And uh, the reality is, we'll we'll keep on fighting towards the new year. But uh, if you want to go follow the boys, go follow Ross at Rusty Pedroia. Go follow Armdog at Armdog underscore SS. Give me a follow at Siffyman. Polly. Polly, he resurfaced. He uh, he says Happy New Year's to the boys. Happy holidays. Uh, he's got a little fun stuff. We'll have to, he's got some Detroit comments, so we're going to have to revisit him once our dog comes back after break. But, uh, Polly, we hope all is well. If you feel like you've got any questions for the boys, hit us up at slashot podcast at gmail.com. We're happy to answer all, all comments, questions, critiques, anything you've got. We're here for it. We're always here for it. So fire it on home. Um, ladies and gentlemen, happy new year. Happy holidays. We'll catch you guys soon and, uh, we'll see you after the new year.